Hello, good morning, good evening, good day, good afternoon, and aloha. Welcome back to another episode of Engaging the Phenomenon with James Andoli. My name is Luis Jimenez. I'll be your guest for the day. And to my right or left, depending on which way you're looking, is our host for the night, Mr. James Andoli. How you doing, James? <laughs> hey, hey, Luis. Thank you so much for doing that. I, I, love, I love the way you open your show. I appreciate it, man. It's like super great energy. I love the vibe. And uh, just so everybody listening here knows, uh, this is uh, Luis Jimenez from Unidentified Celebrity Review. Um, you know, I've, I've only uh, saw you jump on the scene more recently, yeah. uh, you know, on UFO Twitter with, uh, you know, everybody knows that uh, Luis was big and, and putting together the big phone home, which I think is uh, like a historic event in uh in, in the UFO world, if you know you want to say the UFO history, because it was such a um, a powerful event that brought all these different people together, and even people that would kind of argue with each other on UFO Twitter, and everybody was just coming together on the same page. They put everything aside, and uh, they were working together for a single cause. So you know, again, super thanks for doing that, Luis. Hey man, it was it was my pleasure. It was my absolute pleasure. It was a lot of fun to put together. Um, you're right. There was a lot of uh, behind the scenes drama that I had to work out and iron out, and uh, we got it done. <laughs> we we got it done. It was fun, man. It was a fun day. I mean, I I I always like internally roll my eyes not out of disrespect but of just like there's no way this event changed anything. Like in my head, I'm just like it, it wasn't that significant. Um, but there have been little signs here and there that have said to me, keep going, kiddo. Like, uh, I think you'd be shocked uh, to learn some of the people that saw that day and actually it actually impressed or maybe changed their minds or maybe they even laughed at it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there's, there's the kind of, I think the seed is planted. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a, it's, it's been proven. You, we can do it. So you mm -hmm. put out the proof of concept. It, it's, it's already been done. You yeah. did it. So yeah. I think that that's something people can, can I, I identify with in a sense. Um, yeah. But again, so I, you know, I only, I only came across you um, really when you were put, uh, you know, I guess I found you on UFO Twitter maybe. And uh, man, you kind of came out of nowhere. So I, you know, it's, <laughs> this is really cool. Cause I just, you know, there's so many questions I can ask you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just for people listening, I'm going to say this right from the get go, uh, you know, uh, Luis, or you, should I call you Lou or Luis? You can call me Lou. Most people call me Lou. My mother likes Luis, uh, but yeah. my mom's yeah. not here, so you can call me. Lou. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Lou, Lou here uh, uh, runs an unidentified celebrity review uh, on YouTube. He's got live shows, uh, what, five times a week? Five days a week, yeah. Between yeah. Uh, between we have two channels, and between the two channels, we do five days a week. So we do uh, UAP and UFO uh, UFOs on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then we do science and tech on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, so definitely make sure to to, to go to his YouTube channel, subscribe, hit the notification bell because you got like nonstop um, info coming. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, so Lou, how you know how'd you get into this UFO issue? Ooh, man, that's a loaded question. I mean, I've always been into it. I've always at some on at some level of my life have have had an either arm's 
length distance or really up close and personal with this topic. Um, I mean, I had my own experience when I was 13. I saw a UFO at a party with a bunch of people. So I'm still in contact with one of those people. So I know it's not something I imagined. Um, it's something that actually happened. Uh, and obviously an event like that shapes how you think, I think for the rest of your life. And so, you know, in the back of my brain, that's always been there. And then of course I, I went to high school, I did a little bit of college, you know, moved to New York city, studied acting. And so I really lost touch with it for a long time. And then I moved out to Los Angeles and out of a whim, I was like, oh man, I wonder if there's any UFO. This is when podcasts were like, you know, this is like 20, 2011 when podcasts were just starting to sort of be a thing. And so the first podcast I found was Alejandro Rojas's podcast. And, um, and then I kind of got back into it that way. And then all of a sudden 2017 happened and it was a paradigm shift again for me. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that that happened. Like the, the Navy just confirmed basically that we've had a UFO program, a secret UFO program, and they've released videos. I mean, like what's happening? So, um, you know, but it, even then I was like, I would never, ever do a YouTube channel about this stuff. I mean, in my mind, I was like, it'd be cool. But, you know, I'm an actor. I'm an actor. I, I, got, I've, I got so much other things to focus on. Um, and then right before COVID last year, uh, I was working in a restaurant and in comes Lou Elizondo. Oh, way. into my restaurant. Yeah. yeah. And he, I freaked out. Like I was freaking, I literally freaked out. I've never, and this is not bragging. I'm not trying to be a jerk here. I've been around some big A-list stars. I've worked with Tom Hanks. I've never, ever fanned out or, or asked for a picture or an autograph because you just being, I've just always tried to be a professional on set, you know, yeah. strike up conversation when it's natural, uh, try to make people laugh, try to be memorable, memorable, but don't be weird, you know, don't be creepy, don't be a fan. Um, so, you know, when I saw Lou, all of that went out the window, like all of that decorum, all that professionalism. I was like, he's going to sit in my section. I got this guy. This is my table. <laughs> so, so he was there with the production crew for the season two of Unidentified. I talked to him. He was a really just wonderful person to talk to. He was super open. And at the end of the dinner, you know, he's like, Hey, let's get a picture together. I was like, awesome he's uh so i go to reach for my phone he's like oh, don't get your phone i'll take it i'll take the picture i'm like with your phone okay which yeah. means he's got to send me the picture right yeah um so that's exactly what he did dude he sent me the picture he texted to me and he's like hey if you're ever in encinitas stop by the store and ask for me man i'll, I'll be more than happy to give you a tour and, and uh and shoot the shit with you i was like are you sure? <laughs> like, I will call you. Like, I yeah, will yeah. call you. Um, and so then right after that, I went home and I really started giving this YouTube channel some serious thought. I was already thinking about it. Like, and this happened in December. I was already thinking about it in late November. I, I mentioned it to my girlfriend in passing, you know, I was like, hey, I was thinking about starting this YouTube channel about UFOs and maybe I could throw a little bit of acting information in there because I'm an actor. But the primary idea was to review TV shows and movies 
having to do with the topic of UFOs. So if a new TV show came out or if a new movie came out, I would review it. Just like we get reviews on YouTube for video games, for movies, for TV film, for TV shows, for beauty products. We get review shows for everything. But nobody was reviewing and calling out bad UFO productions. So yeah. that's why I was like, okay, maybe I could do that because I could bring my film expertise to the table and I could also bring my UFO passion to the table. So that's what I did. I started a YouTube channel and, and, and the idea was to bring in my friends and my actor friends and my writer friends and my improviser friends and to have them come in and help me review TV shows and stuff. Then COVID happened. <laughs> so then okay. that yeah. whole format changed because it had to, um, which was, I think, kind of a good thing. You know, I struggled for a long time. It was about eight or nine months and my, my channel was growing and I had given myself five years. I was like, I'm going to give this channel five years. If I can't build some traction or an audience within the first two to three years, I'm going to cut it. I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to give myself a five-year window to see what, where I could take it in five years. And, um, and so about eight months into the process, um, I was listening to more shows. I had found your account. Um, I was getting exposed to a lot diff more different ideas and things like that. And I invited Martin Willis onto my show as the first guest I asked to come on the show. And he said, yes, I was yeah. shocked. Um, so I talked to Martin Willis. I had talked to MJ Benias. I had invited Alejandro Rojas and all these guys came on my show. And around where Alejandro came on the show is when I came up with the big idea for the big phone home. Okay. Yeah. That was, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. That's when it came to me. It was because I would always hear at the end of people's shows, Hey, if you want to change this, call your Congressman, call your Senator. And I was like, you know, that's, they're right. It's a good idea, but how many people is that inspiring? Like how yeah. many people heard that and went, yeah, you know what? I'm going to pick up my phone and call my Congressman. Yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, so if I didn't, that probably means a lot of folks, probably didn't either um and so i was like oh boom that's it it just came to me like a like a lightning bolt i was like what if we had a telethon like in the 80s like live aid or you know yeah uh you know that uh um that comic relief you know remember in comic relief when they when they had all these comedians uh, raise money for the homeless um like and it was like you know you had a comedy set and people would call in and donate money but instead what we would have with this would be ufo personalities you know people who do you know youtube channels podcasts uh anything so i was trying to get in touch with anyone and every everyone that i had heard about at that time because i was like well if i can get you know alejandro rojas martin willis um and then i got lou elizondo that's when everything changed <laughs> like yeah. when i yeah. got lou when i ran the idea by lou and he's like that's a fantastic idea i'm like okay well would you be interested in joining us? You know, yeah. And he was like, yes, absolutely. I was like, oh shit. Now I have to do this. Like now yeah. this is, this is going to have to be done. So that is what really got the thing snowballing from there. You know, I, I talked to Cahill, the uh, Cahill and Elizondo basically had a meeting with me and we're like, okay, kid, here's, here's our ideas. Here's where you, we think you should go. 
And they're like, you're on your own. <laughs> like, we don't have time to do any of this stuff. I was like, okay. Uh, they put me in touch with Stephen Bassett. I had a conversation with Stephen Bassett because he's a, you know, a, um, a, a lobbyist essentially yeah. for the UAP topic. And so he gave me a lot of wonderful ideas on how to steer this event, um, what data hold it on, why we should hold it on a weekend, all sorts of stuff. Um, so then after talking to Stephen Bassett, I then put together a congressional and senatorial call list by hand so you didn't have to go to three different four different websites to find the address their office phone numbers and their emails and their twitter accounts um i put it all in one spot uh so you could do it with one click you could find all of their information um and then luckily james fox after i put my website yeah. up was like he came up with his website uap act now and i'm like oh my god this is awesome <laughs> this is yeah. so Awesome. This is exactly the website I wanted to make, but I didn't have the resources. So I was like, well, what, what do I do? You know, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do, I'm going to push both websites. So I started yeah. pushing James's website and my website because they're accomplishing the same things. You yeah. know, they're, they're asking people to get involved. Um, I'm asking people to actually make a phone call, actually send a tweet, because I think that's more personal. It's more, it's more impactful. But if you don't have the time, if you're a busy mom, but you're still interested in this, use the UAP act now. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. two or three clicks and you can send everybody in Congress a tweet. It's a beautiful, beautiful tool. Um, so I was like, let me just put as many tools in my tool belt as I can. And that's what the big phone home was. You know, it was an eight hour live stream uh, having all of these personalities come on the show and talk about the importance of getting in touch with your senator, your congressman, uh, how to tweet at them, what to say. We got, uh, I mean, I can't say officially <laughs> because it wasn't officially given to me by them. But I, I, when I was in a meeting with Elizondo and Cahill, I was like, look, I think you guys need to construct what we need to say. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to say. I'm just some dumb actor. Like I need you. You're the guys who are fighting for this. So you guys would have the best verbiage for us to use. And that's exactly what they did. They kid that's, you know, you saw uh, uh, James Fox put out his sort of uh, his script and things to email. And so I copied off of that. And then I also got my version from Lou Elizondo and those guys. And then I, I melded them. I was like, you could use this one. You could use this one again, more tools in the tool belt to contact your congressman and Senator. And that was it, dude. That's how it happened. It was a lot of work. A lot yeah, of I, mean, work. I um, saw you like just trying to contact you and I can tell how, how all over the place you were. Man. I mean, look, I was learning everybody's names, but not only their names, their account names. So that's why I got your, <laughs> that's why I got your name all yeah. so messed up because if somebody's name is engaging the phenomenon and then the other guy's name is chasing the phenomenon or something yeah, yeah, like that, you yeah. know, it's, it's like, I got confused on some names and stuff. Sorry, there was like hiccups like that. But for the most part, man, it went so much better than I expected. I really like to set my expectations as low as possible on yeah. everything I do, no matter yeah. what it is. Uh, that's, I think, one of the secrets to life is managing expectations. Yeah. And so I was uh -huh. like, you know, I'd be, I'll be thrilled if 500 people watch this in one day. I'd be yeah. shocked. And then we start the first stream and there's 
15, 2,000 people in there, 1,500 to 2,000 people. say 3,000. 3,000 at some point. Like, like that, yeah. When we got, when we, I mean, Lou Elizondo was on there and then Jimmy Church popped on with Dolan. It was great. I like, I, yeah. did, I did not get in touch with Jimmy Church and Richard Dolan. I tried to, yeah. but, you know, I can understand how they can miss my message, but they heard about the event. They came to us, you know, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so we had some really wonderful moments. Um and my only regret is that, and this is something next year that I really want to fix. And I think I've figured out a way how to fix it. And we're going to have this guy on on Wednesday. Um, but in the state of California, the idea of the event was to have somebody calling all day. Somebody yeah. on the event who we could cut to and be like, okay, who are you calling now, Joey? I'm calling Congressman, blah, 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 blah from the owner to this and that and that. Awesome. Let's listen in to Joey for a couple of minutes and see what he says, you know? Um, and we can't do that in the state of California. In the state of California, I'm not allowed to record any side of the conversation, period, full stop. It's also kind of weird to start a conversation with a senator, uh, hi, senator, so-and-so, or, or more than likely an aide to that senator, you know, and be like, hi, just so you know, I'm recording you. And this is what I'm looking for. Oh, man. It's, yeah. it's a terrible way to start the conversation. Yeah. But so then what I did is I, with the suggestion of Stephen Bassett, I emailed them, I text them, or I tweeted at them. And then I also called their offices to say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. And this is the day I'm doing it on. So if you get a bunch of phone calls, if you get a lot of inquiries, this is why. Um, so with the whole idea was to alert what Congress and senators, what we're doing. So they're not caught off guard and they don't get pissed. Yeah. We didn't want to, we didn't want to piss anybody off. We wanted to make sure that this was not going to turn into storm area 51. Yeah. We wanted it to, to be at a legitimate event with legitimate verbiage, legitimate players joining in the effort and, and talking about it. And that's what we did. Like, so next year, we're going to have someone in a different state making phone calls yeah. um, that we're going to cut to. I'm still working on whether or not we'll be able to actually audibly hear them. Um, or I might just move to a different state and do the big from home from a different state. And so that way I could do this, but that's one of my biggest goals. And also next year I I'm dying. The biggest goal is to get Christopher Mellon. That would I was be- going to say, yeah, it would be awesome if you can get like somebody like Mellon or even like uh, Fife Symington. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, who, who, Christopher Mellon, Fife Simonton, David Fravor, Alex Dietrich, um, you know, Ryan Graves, all of these guys are like my targets next year. Um, yeah. Because I think for me, you know, it's, it's all about killing stigma. It's all about killing taboo. And I know that is the number one mission for Elizondo, for Cahill, for Fravor, for Mellon, is to kill the stigma. If we can kill the stigma, then we can get our pilots and our, our servicemen and women to report it without fear. Then they'll actually start looking at it legitimately. Um, you know, because I think they're going to be inundated <laughs> with, with yeah. these reports and they're going to have to open, I don't know, a UAPTF task force office, you know, where yeah. all of these things go to. And that, and, and I mean, look at, look at what they, the verbiage in this report, it's a preliminary report, which yeah. means we're getting another report. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's I did. Amazing. I did. I did want to ask you about that. You should also try, try to get in touch with uh, Robert Salas. That would be awesome. That would be epic. We actually just became friends on Facebook or uh, 
Twitter. He 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 followed me on Twitter. I've messaged him. I'm waiting to hear a message back. But yeah, we've got the SCU. I mean, we've got Richard Hoffman on board with us. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, so next year's going to be really science driven. That's what I'm trying to really focus That's on. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. You know, just have as much scientist and science and journal legitimate journalists with their opinions and their thoughts on this. Um, that's the big goal for next year. And I think it'll be a multiple day event. I don't think it's going to be just one day. That would be epic. Um, You know, uh, have you talked to like Leslie Keen and uh, Ralph Fluenthal? I've talked to Ralph. Uh, We didn't get to talk about the big phone home, but he's going to be on my show soon enough. Um, We had him on the Singularity Lab a few weeks ago. Um, But yeah, I mean, Leslie Kane, of course. (laughs) Like, she's a goddess. (laughs) She's a goddess. Like, I would kill to get Leslie Kane on the show. I think we can get her on the show. It's someone that I'm going to I haven't asked yet just because I'm I'm, I'm one man. (laughs) It's so so difficult. Like, that's why, you know, when we were talking about the pre-show, you know, all of my fans have really been helping me make this a full-time job so i can instead of driving an uber for six or seven hours a day i can work on finding more guests six or seven hours a day i can i can put in more requests i can do more research i can listen to more shows which which makes the show better it makes the show better and people love it you know so um so that's the long story of how the big photo started (laughs) sorry that took a while but it was no that's great i mean yeah you know, I, I had wondered myself a lot of that stuff, like what was going on behind the scenes? Where are you going yeah. from here? Yeah, um, no, I mean, it was it was tough, man. At the beginning, it was tough because I was nobody. I had I mean, my YouTube channel, I think, had four or five hundred subscribers uh, when I started the event. And I was trying to get to that thousand, you know, that thousand subscriber yeah. goal before the event. And I literally hit it the day of the event. Yeah. And I spent morning, noon and night tweeting the hashtag the big phone every every tweet i sent had the hashtag the big phone home um you know and i encouraged everyone who was part of my event to do that as well it's hard to get people to do that (laughs) uh but a lot of folks thankfully did you know a lot of them especially the closer we got to the event um you know my whole thing was hey look we need everybody hashtagging this for three months you know, like yeah. we need to build this event as big as we can. So that way it gets as much attention. And I think a lot of folks were like, especially like, I think, and I don't know this, I'm just speculating, but I think like a Sean Cahill and uh, a Lou Elizondo were like, we'll be a part of this, but we're also going to watch to see what happens, you know, to see how well you can represent this movement and, and, and I, th- I think a lot of folks were going, this is going to be a shit show, myself included. Like, I was like, this could be terrible or this could be great. And it ended up being the latter. Thankfully, I think just because I put all the right work into the right places. So it 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 went off as as well as I had hoped. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it was it was hard. It was well, really, I'll, really I'll tell you, man. I mean, I, I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be awesome. Right. But when I saw it. Um, I was just blown away. I'm telling you, like, I was so inspired. I like, I'm telling you, like the feelings I got when I was watching the event and participating, it was like, I was watching like the citizens hearing. It was on that level of like epicness. Like I'm telling you, it was like reinvigorating for everybody in the community. 
And there were people outside the community, like watching in on everybody. And that was a yeah. perfect example of what they should see when they see our community. So, yeah, like no, well, that's, major... that's what I, I was looking at this community. I'm like, man, what do we, what do we need to do to get all these people galvanized on the same page and in one voice, like, what can we do? And, you know, I think everyone, everyone can agree that the government has more information. Everyone can agree on that. Yeah. So if we can all agree there, then let's agree to make a phone call on the same day. That's it. Once we're done, then we can go back to arguing with each other, whatever. But I think you're right. I think that this, it was a great opportunity for this community to show its best face, to put its yeah. best foot forward. And I'm so happy that that's the way it it looked, <laughs> you know, like it, it, <laughs> I'm happy that's yeah. the way it looked. I mean, there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes just with certain personalities that didn't other like other personalities. And we had to make sure not to cross the streams. But, you know, the the idea that I can get them to say, hey, I know you hate this guy. I really do. But for for eight hours today, he's saying the exact same thing you're saying. So let's just go with that. Right. Yeah. And um, and thankfully, a lot of people understood what I was trying to do. I think a lot of folks were scared because they had no idea who I was. No, yeah. I was nobody. I mean, I'm still nobody. I'm I'm just a uh, like I, said, I call myself. I'm an actor, man. I'm an actor who's got a real strong passion for this for this topic. Uh, and I just I got I got lucky. But also, like, it was a lot of hard work to back up that luck. I couldn't just sit back and say, oh, phone call. But, like, I, there was so much. Um, and, and But the beautiful thing is I met so many people. <laughs> so yeah. I met so many people, uh, and particularly my co-host, Michael Madaluni, who was over at the debrief. And, um, and now he's with me. You know, now he's my official permanent co-host and it was because of the big phone home because we just we we looked at each other and we're like did that just happen did we just do that you know and did we do it without pretty much any mistakes and even when the mistakes happened it, it was like okay it was fine we made fun of it you know um and yeah man we just realized real quick we're a good team <laughs> you know we're yeah, like yeah. we're a really good team you know you bring the seriousness and the and the um the foresight and the, and the thoughtfulness of it, I bring sort of the entertainment and the, and the emotional side of things. Um, and it's just a good mix, man. It's a, it's a fun mix. We have a great time. Every time we do the show, every time we do the show, they're always so much fun. Uh, but, but the thing that we always get a kick out of is people are like, this is so informative. It's yeah. just a great conversation. And it shows that, you know, and we have disagreements on my show all the oh, time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I see all them. the yeah. time. Uh, but we gotta be able to learn how to listen to the other person and talk the, through these issues you know, um, and we can do it. Like where there's a lot of smart, intelligent people. And for some reason in this community, we rely on Twitter to talk to each other and it's not a good format. Like yeah, we, there's yeah. a lot of nuance and uh, translation that gets lost in a tweet. If you write something, meaning like with good intent, somebody could read it with like, man, this guy's being an asshole. Yeah. So instead of like any time I try, it doesn't work every time, but anytime I see a Twitter fight, I try to reach out to both parties and say, Hey, 
would you guys like to come on my show and let's talk about this? Let's talk about this um, yeah. because you guys are getting feisty and angry at each other. And um, this doesn't do good for anybody. You know, like we need everybody talking to each other on this. Um, and it's worked in some cases, some cases it hasn't, you know, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, like we had Mick West on the other day. We got him to admit that the Fravor case was yeah, unexplainable. That was, that was so epic. You know, like, and, and that's what I'm like, I think what happens with Mick is a lot of the times people get so angry and emotional because of what he, they hear. They might hear him. It's just one thing that sets them off and then they ignore everything else that comes out of his mouth. And um, sometimes like he does this on purpose and I've called him out. He's, he's trolling you. Like yeah. if you're going to come at him with emotions and name calling, he's going to troll the shit out of you. Yeah. yeah. Be prepared for that. And everyone on Twitter should be prepared. Oh, Mick's trolling again. Like he doesn't believe that stuff. Most of the time, like yeah. he really thinks he, he leaves room on the table for this is unexplained. This is something that is the diamond in the rough. Um, but a lot of folks don't think he thinks that, including myself. I didn't think he had room in his thought process to leave room for that hypothesis. But he is. He does. Um, and if you get him in the right setting and if you treat him with respect, he'll give you nuggets like that. You know, yeah. he'll give you nuggets like that. And I also think that that conversation with Alex Dietrich changed him. Something yeah changed yeah. him after that conversation and thank god because that was another twitter fight that i reached out to mecca and i reached out to alex and i was like hey you guys want to come on the show and discuss this and then they got together and did it themselves i was like even yeah. better you know like yeah like it doesn't have to be on my show just as long as you guys talk <laughs> like i think that's so important so it was i thought that was a beautiful moment in ufo twitter history uh yeah. and and i really really do think if you're ever going to talk to Mick West, do yourself the favor, go listen to that interview with Alex Dietrich and Mick West and watch really, really, really pay attention to what Alex Dietrich does. She lays out the playbook perfectly on how to deal with debunkers and, and folks like think like Mick West. I mean, it was a masterclass in how to get a debunker to start doubting himself. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Like I've never heard Mick West preface with stop me if this sounds crazy or stop me if this theory is just, you know, outside of the realm of possibility. But here's what I think it is. I've never heard him do that. Yeah. Never, ever, ever. So, um, so yeah, man, that was, that was a cool, like that's, Moments like that where I'm just like, man, I love my show. It's so much fun. Yeah. Just so much fun, man. Because that's exactly what I want to do. I just want to bring more dialogue, more understanding, more transparency, more activism, and more galvanizing. Because we can get more, but we have to do it in as one voice, you know? Yeah, and I think what you're doing is great. And, you know, I love watching the show and seeing all the different, uh, you know, personalities or people it makes for a really interesting and, and like you said, an informative conversation because you're you're getting these conversations that you would not normally hear anywhere yeah. else. And well, we're um, bringing on journalists, yeah, you know? like legitimate journalists come on the show every week. Um, so, you know, we've got Alex Sears, uh, who is you know uh, the 
I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I always forget the Daily Caller. He's yeah. the head, the chief correspondent, UFO correspondent for the Daily Caller. You know, we got Jazz Shaw, who's uh, who works for the Debrief <laughs> yeah. and is a curmudgeon. You know, he's a wild man, but he's a really good thinker. Um, you know, we've had Daniel Otis from Vice Magazine, who's going to be coming back. We just had uh, Kent By, who's a philosopher and journalist. Uh, you know, so it we I always try Jamal Thomas from the Progressive Soapbox, who's awesome, a, yeah. who is an amazing champion for this topic. Um, you know, I always try to bring on great thinkers because I always want to challenge myself. I always want to challenge the way I think or what I think facts are. Um, you know, when we had Avi Loeb on the other day, you know, like trying to get him to say that this phenomena is real. Like, what is it going to take for you, Avi? Like, what's it yeah. going to, who's, who's got to say the thing or what do you have to see to go, okay, these are real. They deserve a scientific evaluation. And he's so close. He's so close to yeah. just saying that. But as a scientist, he just needs a little bit more tangible stuff. And as a community, we should want the same. Like we yeah. should want that too. Um, and so I think that's why I like Mick West so much because I know the day is going to come where he changes his tune. And yeah. I hope it's on my show because it's going to be a wonderful <laughs> yeah. day. You know, like it's, it's going to come, you know, this, I know this, he's yeah. painting himself into a very lonely unscientific corner and i think he's starting to see the paint dry and i think he's starting to see the corner he's painting himself into and i'm looking at him i'm going okay you still want to keep going are you sure yeah but even when he does paint himself in that corner i'm gonna help him get out of it because yeah, we're gonna need him we're yeah. gonna need him dude <laughs> you know yeah, um, but i love hearing mick west you know saying what could change mick west's mind you know, what piece of data could could be the tipping point for him? And it's as simple as getting two camera angles on the same object would be monumental, monumental. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's coming. Stuff like that's coming. It's just yeah. we, ha we have to be patient, really patient. Yeah. And I know that's something that a lot in this community don't want to hear. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to ask you some of your thoughts on the, the UAP task force report. You know, yeah. that was highly anticipated. You know, there's a mm -hmm. 180 day wait and there's all this buildup. And, you know, the UFO community um, acted in fashion and, uh, you know, it was divided. You know, some Very people were divided. like, Very you know, divided. This, is, this is great. And other people are like, this is a nothing burger. You yeah. know, what do you think? Um, well, it was funny, man. When we, <laughs> we live stream when the report came out. Um, it was the largest live stream we've had outside of the big phone home. So I, was, yeah. I was shocked how many people were watching. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get the vibe that it was down the middle. I got the vibe that everybody was at least on my show. Everybody's like, this is amazing. Like we, we, then again, on my show, we set the bar. So the expectation bar was so, so low just because I was listening to what Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon were saying. Right, right. Expect right. delays, expect there to be, you're not going to get the metamaterials, you're not going to get the bodies, you're not going to get Roswell information, you're not going to get anything from the past. This is going to be a very straightforward uh, report. And that's exactly what we got. But I think we got even better. Like there are 
little things in that report that give me so much hope. And then what's happened post report with, you know, comments from Marco Rubio comments now from Mitt Romney, we got the, you know, the, um, the deputy deputy secretary of defense uh, writing, you know, a, a, a basically a plan for how to collect UAP information, which I think is going to turn into a task force that is way better funded than the ATIP program. And again, it says preliminary report, which means we're going to get another report. Like how exciting is that? That's exciting. Yeah. Also keep this in mind. There's another uh, 70, I think, what is it? 71 pages, I guess, including with these yeah. nine that would be part of the entire report that are classified. Um, there's a chance that Congress could start reading the unclassified sections of this report and force the president <laughs> to comment on this or to, or to either partake or squash this. Um, I think, I think you don't be shocked if leaks and or Congress starts reading sections of this report that they feel should be public and they can do that. They can do that and we can call them and pressure them to do that. So just FYI, like there's so many things that can still happen. You still got the investigation with the IG. There's a lot of stuff, man. So I think the next three to six months are going to be very, very interesting. Um, I I loved the report. I thought it's, it's exactly what was needed to get the mass media to go. There's something here. There's something yeah. here that they can't figure out. And it's 100% not American, not Chinese and not Russian. Some of them are. Some of them are. But there's a percentage of them that are not, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, so that's where I, I get my hope from. That's where I sort of get my uh, I mean, look what happened with Eric Weinstein. Oh, man, I, I mean, love it. The, love the guy it. is on fire, man. Right. And I mean, I can wait to the day that Mick West does that. Just wait. It's yeah. coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, with Eric Weinstein. Uh, you know, he's asking the right questions. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, where's the data? How come the scientific community, number one, is not outraged? And number two, has not been given access to like something that's fundamental to the basic reality, right? Yeah. Um, and so he's, he's really asking questions and acting the way that I think that, you know, people should be acting. You know, Agreed. he clearly got the message. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody talked to him. <laughs> somebody showed him something possibly, you know, like yeah. somebody got to him and said, look, um, you're wrong on this one. And he he had to have seen some kind of data and yeah. or gotten an email or a visit from a very high up credible person. It, it just had to have been that way. There's no way he just. There's no, I don't think there's any way he read just this report and go and went, oh, I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't think it went down like that. No, no, Maybe no. It he, did. This is, no, this is actually, you know, there's a funny story to all this too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not many people know, but like he, he's, he's friends with Danny Sheehan. Um, and he, um, 
I so, can I can see now how people maybe got to him. <laughs> well, exactly. So a, a month a month before uh, people knew that that uh, Sheehan was representing Lou, Danny Sheehan got on a clubhouse with Eric, and mm. and and you know, Danny uh, or Eric didn't know that Danny was like so into all this stuff. You know, because da- Eric knew who Danny Sheehan was from his legal, you know, the Orion Contra and the Watergate and all all those historic cases. Right. And then Danny just starts going off on all this stuff. And Eric's like, what are you talking about? And, right. you know, and he's having like a meltdown on, on Clubhouse. And then yeah. Danny said, yes, I'm representing Luis Elizondo and all this stuff. Um, and I think that's really what set him off. That's like to begin with. And I right. think, but I, I know actually Eric had spoken to people in the Invisible College uh, before because he's into those uh, intellectual circles. Can you explain the Invisible College to me? Sure. I mean, the Invisible College. Because um, I've just just started hearing this term recently, and I'm like, what is this? Okay, so yeah, there's there's kind of uh, I want to say like a rich history of it. So I I, I can give you a short kind of yeah, give me the short version, yeah. Okay, because because there's several groups, and it's like it's it's just think about bass, right? Right. Uh, the Bigelow Aerospace. Um, mm-hmm. So it's same thing. These are all the same people, all the same players. You know, got you got it. Uh, John Alexander, you got uh, Jacques Vallée, you mm-hmm. got Kit Green, you got Eric Davis, uh, Colm Kelleher, mm-hmm. uh, and other people that are not publicly named. Um, they're invisible. Um, but the, the actual terminology itself, Invisible College, came from Hynek. There was an old group of um, scientists when you mm. weren't allowed to do science because it was right. you know, religious. It was all religion dictated everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so those people who were, you know, talking about science and stuff, um, you know, it was considered taboo by the church. So they had right. to become a secret society. Got and, it. Almost like Masons. Correct. And they had to meet Got amongst it. each other. You know, like a philosopher, a theist, you know. So these intellectuals and and tastemakers are having meetings, and unbeknownst to everyone, and they're sort of coming out and giving talking points. Well, yeah, but they're 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 meeting in private to right. share their information without everybody else coming and criticizing and putting their right. ideas and impressions. To say you can't, you know, that's right. The, you can't you know, say that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Um, Okay. So that, that's kind of, but there's there's a whole history, uh, a special history of it in the UFO community, with um, uh, the Invisible College, the Avery, uh, John Alexander's uh, 19, in the 1980s, the, the Advanced Working Physics Group, mm-hmm. uh, Advanced Physics Working Group. It was the 1980s. They tried. It was like a tip in the 80s, right? Got it. And they were trying to get funding by calling it Advanced Physics, and I think they mentioned the threat. If you go into Al- John Alexander's book. Uh, UFOs. Uh, I forget the, the the subtitle, but it has to do with like mythology and stuff. Yeah. But um, uh, the the title does. And it's kind of trying to separate the reality from the myth. And uh, you know, he mentions the group, and you know, all these big names were uh, were meeting up, and they had again. It was the 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 Avery was one group, uh, um, uh, advanced uh, physics working group, Invisible College, but it's mm-hmm. all the same players. You know, Got it. And you know, some of them are have inside information. Some of them were in classified programs. So these guys are having the fun conversation without us. That kind of sucks. <laughs> um, you don't want to, but they, they kind of they kind of 
talk about the, the gist of it right in in their talks right um, you know like if you go read Jacques Vallée he's you know he he'll, he just you know he puts it out there in his books and stuff right um and all those guys are interested into the consciousness stuff and you know but they're super science scientists you know right so they're um, afraid well they're just afraid to talk about this publicly because they don't want to be ostracized i'm sure is a big but, part of it part yeah part of it and but they don't they also don't want to deal with everybody's bullshit right no that makes sense you know? too i mean they, yeah they want to be <laughs> able to actually they feel they can't get the work done right um that makes sense you know. dude there's too many chefs in the kitchen yeah and there's people looking over their shoulder and criticizing right. them it's like you can't talk about these kind of advanced ideas if you well, i mean people, l- yeah. james look what happened when the scu remember a couple a few months ago like right before the big phone home the scu put out a list with oh, yeah, blacked yeah, yeah, out yeah, names yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. and people freaked out yeah and i'm looking at that and i'm going you guys first of all the letter goes to congress so the names are going to be public um if they're protecting those names because they don't want people to be inundated with emails and bullshit that's reasonable that's a good reason to keep those names out and secondly they haven't explained why like maybe just Give them a couple of minutes to come up with a reason, you know, give them a day. Yeah. Maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they'll correct it. But I could tell you this jumping on a group of scientists that have agreed to study the UFO topic and yelling at them at the top of your lungs is exactly why scientists don't want to touch this with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. So why don't you just chill out? and let the scientists make some mistakes because they're new to this arena and let's just give them a little bit of room to figure it out. Like dudes, let's chill. Let's relax. It's just a list of names. Who cares? We've got a group of scientists sending an email or a, a, a letter to Congress demanding more scientific study on the UFO topic. Yeah. Why are we getting mad about that? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we need the scientists on board. We have to um, have them. <laughs> like, and, you know, some of them are doing, you know, you know, everybody knows Gary Nolan's working on the materials mm-hmm. and that uh, peer-reviewed paper is going to come out. Uh, and, like, Gary is somebody who's, like, relentless when it comes to science. Like, right. he's not going to leave any dot undotted or you right. know, any T uncrossed. Um, so there's there's definitely some science coming and I'm looking forward to that. But if, too, you know, man. if you look into the, uh, the OSAP or the ATIP DIRDS, uh, the, the Defense Intelligence Research Documents, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, you'll see a list of all these, these names and, and, the, and the kind of research that they were you know, doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's another indicator of some of the stuff that they're into um, and some of the work that was being done. Yeah. Um, so really interesting. But did you ever have uh, Grant Cameron on your show? Nope, not yet. Not yet. Someone, someone that I'm meaning to get on. Um, you know what I should do is get a list of names from you. Yeah. And, and then I can start reaching out to folks because I'm so I'm just inundated with stuff. And these are things I got I need I need a list of those things. Yeah. <laughs> that would be such a huge help. So then I can start systematically going through the list and and because I the, the whole thing is I like making friends, especially friends that are super knowledgeable and inviting them back to the show. Um, you know, like anytime right now I'm looking for a pilot 
like an, a legitimate F-16 pilot that doesn't have an issue to coming on a show like this and talking about anytime a new video comes out or old videos or questions we have about, like, I, I also want to get a radar guy, you know, other than Kevin. Hey, was that guy, was that guy, um, alpha check? Was he a pilot? No, he was not a pilot. Oh, okay. Um, but he, I, and I've tried to get alpha check on my show. He's just, he's not an in front of the camera guy. Yeah. I feel like, you know, so, yeah. um, but he's really smart. And I think that's why him and Mick and I think he's afraid to debate Mick because he doesn't he wanted to bring on a pilot with him to talk to Mick because there are things about the you know the mathematics of it that I think confuse Alpha Check just like they confuse a lot of normal people and to have that backed up with a pilot would be nice especially when you're dealing with Mick um but it just never, it never materialized. I tried, I tried to make it happen, but, um, and maybe it will, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I think alpha checks video was amazing. I think yeah. he, he's really adding the nuance of look for, for the rate, for the pilots and the radar for, first of all, for the pilots to go through all of this process to focus on a balloon or a airliner you know, a commercial airliner, it doesn't make any sense. It's just a waste of all of this time and all of these resources to look at something very mundane and normal. And yeah. to get to that, to the point of tracking something, there's so many other things that have to happen for that to go down. And then on top of that, the pilot is not the only one who sees what's going on through the heads up display. The ship sees it. The other pilots see it. It's like it's it's all connected. It's like it's yeah. it's like you know, um, Skynet. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. if if one pilot needs everybody to focus on something, it's a flip of a switch, and boom, everybody sees what he sees. So there are so many other aspects to this, especially the David Faber Alex Dietrich story, that mix not taking into account when he says oh it's a balloon and i think that's why he's starting to back off of his his stance on that you know yeah uh but speaking about everything coming out we were talking about the report um what do you what do you think of the idea of hearings going down oh they're coming yeah they're coming um i love the idea of hearings i hope we've had this conversation on the show a lot um, I hope it looks nothing like the citizen hearings, yeah. nothing against the citizen hearings, but they're way too long, way yeah. too long. This, uh, a congressional, um, uh, a congressional, uh, why am I losing the word for this? Um, uh, open discussion. Yeah. Um, cannot be littered with researchers and people with personal stories or um, even academics. I think the people you put in front of Congress should be Lou Elizondo, Alex Dietrich, David Fravor, Ryan Graves, Christopher Mellon. And I think that's it. Oh, um, Eric Davis. You got you maybe, Eric maybe Davis. Eric Davis, you know, maybe Eric Davis. Um, my, my concern is that it can't be too long. 
These senators and these congressmen, 75% of their day is making phone calls to get more money to make sure they get reelected. You got to present this in a very quick, digestible format that's going to wow them. It has to wow them. Um, It cannot be... It cannot be what the citizens' hearings are like. Yeah. It, it, those were. I'm watch. I'm still watching them because a new one comes out. It's too long. It's yeah. even for me. I sit there and I go, "Wow, this is." I, even there are moments in the citizen hearing where I can't remember her name, but she stopped. She stopped Danny Sheehan in the middle of a of a of a of of, of you know. Uh, diatribe and she's like just stop just please stop talking <laughs> like you you have to, you yeah. have to break this down for me in the yeah. simplest of terms so i can then take that to my constituency yeah. all of the stuff you're saying right now what am i going to do with that yeah you know i mean? think it's good for researchers like researchers is like uh, you're kind of like get, getting informed on all this but yeah when you're talking oh, about without a doubt if, the, if that's if the citizen hearing is a ufo convention there maybe, you the go. Best, yeah, yeah. maybe the best yeah. thing ever you know what i yeah. mean right, um, right but that cannot be the congressional hearing <laughs> like yeah just cannot be like that um yeah. so i i've been trying to get in touch with jeremy corbell um i don't know if he's mad at me um, or doesn't like me anymore. Oh, <laughs> um, no. he's, I'm, he's so busy, I'm, dude. I'm super sensitive. I'm, I'm an actor, so I get super sensitive. Yeah. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's just busy. And he is. He's insanely busy. Did you um, email him? Uh, I'm going to email him next. I got his phone number. No, extraordinary. Because ha- I think he has somebody who will get his emails to him if they're. Oh, you know. yeah. No, for sure. Like, I, I'm not. I, I could get in touch with him if I really, really need to. Yeah. I just don't want to be pestering him you know but i've got his phone number i send him voicemails all the time um and uh you know but i would love to get him on my show just to talk about the citizens hearings and how to formulate a plan now like we need to start putting a congressional plan together right now so that way when congress is ready to do it you've got the lineup or at least a a rough idea of what it's going to look like um you could even start um putting together suggestions to give to Congress. Like, you know, um, we can tell Congress, hey, we want congressional hearings and we want it in a short formatted way that's digestible for Congress. So a two hour congressional hearing, you know, on a Tuesday (laughs) in the middle of the day uh, to get everyone's attention. Um, You know, like there are so many things that we can suggest that might shape what congressional hearings looks like, because guess who gets to make the rules on the congressional hearing? Oh, the Senate Intelligence Committee. Oh, nice. You know what I mean? So if we can get in contact with the Senate Intelligence Committee and say, hey, we'd love to see hearings. And this is what we'd like to see in those hearings. And this is who we'd like to hear from. Um, you know, we think these people would be the most impactful. Honestly, if I was going to do congressional hearings, first person, first person I'd bring up, Alex Dietrich. She's a woman. She's a pilot. She comes across and articulates herself in such a wonderful way. She doesn't need this to be true for it to yeah. be extraordinary. Um, I think it's just she's the perfect person to start with. Um, and, uh, and I think, especially in these days and times, like people are going to take a female voice a lot more seriously right from the start. 
They just are, especially yeah. her, because what she did to get into that cockpit is nothing short of extraordinary, honestly, especially yeah. in the time she did it. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before the Me Too, before this, before all, you know, all this stuff. Um, she did it with hard work, determination and just smarts. Um, so I would first person, that's the first person I'd put up. But hell, yes, man, we're going to get congressional hearings. You can yeah. bet on that. You can bet on that when. I'd say a year, maybe two tops. I was thinking, yeah, you know, I, I was talking to somebody. I said the same thing. I said two tops, but yeah, uh, I, I was that guy, um, Andre Carson. I think he's a representative for Indiana. Yeah, he his his comments, and he's a, he's the chair of one of the committees. Yeah, and he was saying that, um, you know, he wants several hearings to yeah. take place, and I mean, if and and uh, you know. So if this is already kind of on the table, yeah, you know, it's already it's already being talked about. So I, I think it's underway on it's, how they're going to do it's, that. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. And with I Danny mean, Sheehan and, and and Elizondo doing the Inspector General thing, I, mm -hmm. I'm sure they're having conversations. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like the information is. It looks like what I think is going to happen out of that inspector general case is they're going to fix how the information moves from point A to point F, <laughs> you yeah. know, how, what's the chain and how that information goes up the ladder of, uh, of power and why is it getting hung up around here? Okay. Well, it's not going to get hung up here anymore. It's still got to go up. And so um, that's exciting, man. It's just, it's going to take a little while for these processes to get, in motion you know it takes yeah. time the government moves slowly but they're moving on it you know they're well, talking see, about it i wonder how th there's some questions i really have and it's yeah. really um you know i mean when to the stars academy was kind of first coming out they were talking a lot about the stove piping right so the mm -hmm. special access programs you know not sharing information Mm -hmm. um, so that was an issue. And Christopher Mellon also, you know, he was talking about the waived SAPs. Yeah. So, you know, I'm surprised that he actually, he went there and, you know, he actually said the title number of, of that and, mm -hmm. you know, and why that is the way it is. Um, so, yeah. you know, my, my, the question is like, okay, so if, if they have those hearings, are they going to subpoena uh, somebody like McCaslin, Neil McCaslin? Who, they might. <laughs> you, know, you know, are they going to sub subpoena Tom Wilson? Like mm -hmm. the people that were, you know, looking over some of those things. Uh, yeah. I mean, imagine if they subpoenaed the, uh, you know, Navy Secretary of Defense. Yeah. You know, or Susan Goff. Imagine oh if they God, subpoenaed yeah. her, yeah. you know, like what's going well, on? Why is this well, information not getting to the right places? Why do you guys keep conflicting the message? Yeah. You know, well, because the whole thing with McCaslin, I don't know. Do you know that whole story with Tom DeLong and McCaslin? No, I don't know the McCaslin aspect of it. Okay, well, so Tom DeLong is always telling the story about how he was in, he went to an airport, he met with a guy he calls the general, right? That's general McCaslin, who is like the top scientist slash military guy at Wright Pat at you know Air Force Base where the Roswell Roswell materials were taken, right? Um, and uh. So Tom's telling the story about he meets this, this, you know, secret insider who's a general mm -hmm. at an airport. And the first thing that the guy says to him, it was, a, it was the height of the cold war. And we found a body, <laughs> you know, we found a life form. Wow. This, this is, you know, and I don't, you know, obviously Tom, he's not, a, you know, he's not making this story up. 
Uh, right. And it, it came out through the WikiLeaks. Right, the John Podesta WikiLeaks. That's someone yeah. who I'd like to see called up, John Podesta. Yeah, John Podesta. Well, see, John Podesta, he's he's an advocate. You know, he was there yeah. during the, the the disclosure project years, and he was. Right. But but again, I think he could. Like, I think he could shed some really good light on how he got stonewalled. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know and what I even, mean? You know. Yeah. Chris Mellon, when they tried to get the the tape of right. um when the, that what was that the a- astronaut um. I'm throwing a oh, uh, um, uh, Gordon Cooper. Gordon Cooper, yeah. yeah. He, he, they filmed yeah. the landing of a UFO. And a <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> if that recording is still somewhere? Like, Dude, it has to be. It has and, to be, right? Well, even the Japan Airlines thing, you know, um, yeah. that was that was a huge thing. And Man, uh, I talked to Greenwald about that one, and he sort of not – Quell. He didn't put out my fire because that's my favorite case. Yeah, he he quelled it big time. <laughs> he was yeah. like, there are just some things that don't add up. Like for example, the other two pilots in the cockpit never saw what he saw or explained. Yeah. Um, and there's you know there could be a lot of reasons for that. Primarily yeah. the culture. Like yeah, you know that that pilot got demoted. He was put behind a desk after that event. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what happened to the other two pilots. Did they also get demoted? Did they get put behind desk, or did they get to keep their jobs because they shut up and didn't say anything? Yeah. you know, like that was what 1988. So yeah, but it's still a cool case. But you're right. You're you. The underlying point of what you're saying is correct. Yeah. Um. There's there should be a lot of data there that shouldn't be classified that should be able to be shared for sure well well, especially i mean you know even even stuff that's classified right Mm -hmm. during a hearing like it's a classified hearing because they're going to have public and and classified right and you know of course we want to see all the classified stuff not you know but even if there was any chance of it it has to go through the proper channels first it has to go through the classified briefing Right. And they can then at that point say, maybe this doesn't need to be classified right. or maybe certain parts of it don't need to be. Right. Um, so well, I really that's why it's, you're honest. right. That's why it's so important. Even if it's in a secret setting. Yeah. Or a classified setting. Um, it's very important for these because remember, congressmen and senators are civilians for the most part. They're civilians. So if they see something extraordinary in a classified briefing and in their opinion, it doesn't it shouldn't be classified to the American people, which I have a feeling you're going to get a couple of congressmen and senators that are going to see something and say, look, this is from 1963. There's nothing here that should be classified. I'm going to share it on in a public in in the public hearing. Um, And there's nothing legally I wouldn't say nothing, but it would be, I mean, good luck arresting a congressman who's divulging UFO secrets that have nothing to do with with actual national security. In other words, they don't they don't put any spies or people in the field at risk. They don't they don't uh, reveal any sort of collection uh, processes, Um, you know, all of those things that, you know, they weren't in a sensitive airspace when they took the photo or the video or whatever it is, Um, you know, you're going to get. I think a few congressmen that are going to be like, no, this is bullshit. I'm going to show this to the American people, period. Like they need to know about this. Um, it's going to happen. It's, it, it has to, it has to, yeah. uh, just because Congress is getting younger, they're becoming, you know, like yeah. yep. they're, they're more our age now. 
we're slowly starting to take over this process. And I think a lot of folks in our generations are ready for this. They're ready to yeah. ha- at least have the conversation. And so that's yeah. why I see it's, it's so exciting. And it's also just the way I always pitch it is that it's such a great bipartisan issue to rally people on an agreeing point and then see what other commonalities we have out of that one commonality. Like, cause I always say Marco Rubio, Hillary Clinton, two opposite ends of the political spectrum. Both of them are in new UFOs, both of them. (laughs) So my question is, is if you put Marco Rubio and Hillary Clinton inside a room and said, okay, you guys got two hours. You're only allowed to talk about UFOs for the first hour. Second hour, you could talk about whatever you want. Um, I think they come out of that two hour conversation with more common ground than maybe they realized. Right. Um, and I think that's what, the, like how much trust the government has won from me. I'm just talking about me personally since 2017 it's been a lot. It's been a lot. Yeah. Like I trust the government more today than I did in 2017. And it's because they're giving me the information I'm asking for. I'm asking for this data and they're not giving everything I want, but they're meeting me at least halfway. Um, and so I'm not going to complain about that. I'm just going to encourage more of it because the more of it they give us, the more trust they'll win from folks like me. And I have a feeling you're going to win trust from a lot of other people, including internationally, if you're the first country to beat everyone to the punch on this story, on these yeah. facts. Um, so it's it's a golden opportunity for our government to really win a lot of trust. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's why and I, I love talking about it. Yeah, that's another kind of, um, I don't know, you can say victory or kind of like encouraging aspect of of the UAP report. Because ultimately the UAP report, um, you know, the UAP task force report was a response to the people, you know, which we don't, we haven't seen too much of that, you know. Right. Um, Right. And, 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 you know, the, I think that, um, you know, people really moving this conversation, um, got people like Elizondo and others to to engage in, in what they're doing. And then you have, you know, Marco Rubio and, and Mark Warner, right. uh, you know, start to put language in, in Senate intelligence bills and, you know, yeah. basically respond. So, uh, you know. I just love how Marco Rubio really defended um, the servicemen and women of the United States that have been ostracized, demoted, and made fun of because they talked about this. Um, he really stuck up for the for the people who've been ostracized by this. And I think more of that is coming because like, <clears throat> I think the thing that this discussion is missing, and I think it's something that the UFO community is really screaming for, is they want to start having the alien conversation. <laughs> they want to yeah. start having the abduction conversation. And I get it. Like, I understand uh, why they're so eager to have that conversation. Number one, it's a very interesting conversation. But also, I think, number two, a lot of these people who want to have this conversation have been traumatized on some level by it. Um, and they want confirmation that they're not fucking crazy. They want confirmation that their experience was valid and real. And I think they're begging for that from the, the, the government. But the government's just not ready to go there yet. Yet, 
Um, I think this, the next year, especially the next year is going to be getting the entire country on the same page, the same fact that these things are real. They are really, really real. (laughs) We chase them. We, we have on some level tried to communicate with them through radio signals our Department of Defense has confirmed this. Our Navy has confirmed this. These are real. Once everybody has that fact in their head, then we can springboard into the more fun conversations. Yeah. You know, because once people can understand, just like Eric Weinstein just did, they yeah. need to come to a paradigm shift of that level where they're like, not only is this real, but Jesus Christ, I've been wrong the whole time. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. And as a community, we need to hear that and go, bring sorry. it in. Bring yeah. it in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got you. It's okay. Yeah. Like, I understand why you thought that. Because, again, having my own personal experience, I almost never bring it up because. I have a hard time understanding it. Yeah. I do. And I saw it. Yeah. So when I tell that story, how is that person receiving that information going to understand it more than I do? There's no way. So it's, it's, but if they had the knowledge in their head, Oh, these things are real, real. And I know Lou, like I've, I know Lou and I know he's not full of shit. So I know that the government has told me these things are real, real. And now I'm getting a story from Lou saying, yeah, they're real, real. And he's seen it. Now they can start to understand and sympathize and relate. You know, it's just, we got to get everybody to that, that talking point, that, that terra firma, that fact. Yeah. Real. Yeah. I think that's an excellent uh, driving home point. And because I know we got to go now. Yeah. Um, but just for people listening, yeah, um, where can they find your show, your information, hit you up? Yeah, well, uh, James, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I know this was a long time coming. We've been trying to do this interview <laughs> yeah. for a long, long time. So I'm so happy that we finally got to do it. I'm so happy you've been on my show. I really want to thank you. For, you are a historian. <laughs> like I love <laughs> listening to you because you you've read all the books. You've 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 lived and breathed uh, the ups and the downs of this of this story, um, and I feel like you've come out of it on both feet looking like a rational very cool dude to talk to you know so so (laughs) So just so seriously like just thank you man because um i love leaning on you especially from a historical standpoint like the invisible college i had no idea what that is you know some of these investigators that you threw my way i don't know who these guys are like i'm 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 trying to consume all of this and learn all of as much of it as possible and i got a pretty good grasp on a lot of it but some of it i just don't know so thank you um that's for a second if you want to find my silly show, please do. Uh, it's called the Unidentified Celebrity Review. It's on YouTube. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lou Angeles, L-U, Angeles, like Los Angeles, just with L-U. Um, and yeah, hit me up. Um, you know, uh, I'm a busy dude, um, but I try to answer everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
please come check out the show. I, we have shows five days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday on my channel, the unidentified celebrity review, and then science and tech on Tuesdays and Thursdays on the singularity lab with Michael Mataluni. Um, but yeah, man, uh, this is, this is going to be a fun adventure. I'm glad we're friends. I'm glad that, <laughs> that we're going to see the next two years, you know, together, shoulder to shoulder. Um, I can't wait for next year's big phone home. Uh, because uh, because it's going to be even bigger and more impactful than the first one. And uh, I think we're going to, I think this is just the beginning, man. This is just, this is the start of a much of a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift we're going through right now. Um, it's literally the sails being blown this way and the winds are changing and now it's starting to be blown this way. And it's, uh, it's fun, man. It's fun to have a front row seat to that. So with all of that, I, I truly appreciate it, man. Seriously. Yeah. Thanks so much. And, uh, you know, I'll eventually be doing some live shows here and I definitely want to have you on. Dude, Maybe. listen, if you want me to help you produce your first couple live shows, I will help you, you know, anything I can do to help you make sure that you're successful when you start, just ask me. I'll be more than happy to do that for you. Honestly, like for real. Yeah. Um, thing, I, I, I think it's important that you do live streams like yeah. all all the other shit aside, your your history, your voice, um, your calmness. It's it's a refreshing, refreshing voice. And um, and I encourage you highly, dude. And if you need my help, do not hesitate one second. I will show you how to do a show and make it look awesome and, and something that you're proud of and, um, and something that people look forward to, you know, it's easy. Once you got yeah. it, it's easy. Um, you know, so yeah, dude, I'm here. I'm a resource. So please, yeah. lean on me. you know, please lean <laughs> on me. Seriously. Better. Seriously. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, but definitely regardless, I'm going to have you on again sometime and, yeah, anytime. We'll, we got to we'll get you back about. on as well. Um, yeah, we're gonna have some, <laughs> probably. I mean, I'll let you know, but I think in July we'll we'll probably be able to get you back and and talk about the report and what's next. And and I'm sure there's gonna be news that drops between now and then as well. You know, there uh, always yeah. is. There always is. So yeah, well, yeah, dude, got, exciting Jeremy, times. Jeremy Corbell is gonna do a drop on Tuesday. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, I'm, we'll I'm have something to definitely talk about next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, and he said and that on like mainstream news. He was on yeah. like some some mainstream news. He's like, I'm dropping something on Tuesday. That's great, yeah. dude. I, lo I love Jeremy, man. I a lot of people. He sometimes rubs people the wrong way. I think he's great. <laughs> I think, I think he's my 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 opinion, especially after meeting with him, my opinion of Jeremy Corbell is just has done a 180. Um, I really, yeah. really respect the guy's work. I think he's wrong on some things, but that's okay. Yeah. That's what, but so he's I'm, great. I'm, everybody's wrong on everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has a great voice and an elegant way of speaking to the mainstream media to represent the, the subject. Yeah. But you want to know something else, man. And I'll, I guess I'll end on this. I know we got to go. Um, I think the best thing that he's done for this community is he's upped everybody's game from a production standpoint. Oh, yeah. You can't make a UFO movie that looks crappy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thanks to Jeremy Corbell. Yeah. Like if Jeremy Corbell doesn't do the Bob Lazar movie, which is very controversial. If Jeremy yeah. Corbell doesn't do any of those other films that he's done, Nano Man, you know, all those other cool little flicks. Yeah. UFO films would still look crappy and sound crappy and they look kind of lame. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Jeremy Corbell, yeah. he's a filmmaker. He's a legitimate yeah. filmmaker and he's a good one. Honestly, yeah. he really is. Um, and he inspires, you know, he inspires. 
Absolute big time. You know, yeah. weaponize your curiosity. I, I mean, it's a it's a killer <laughs> phrase. It's a killer phrase, and and yeah. that's what you know. Again, I, I don't believe everything Bob Lazar says, but the one thing Bob Lazar does, that story, is that it inspires people to look and take the subject a little more seriously than they might have at any other time. So I'm going to yeah. take that positive thing and just walk away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and that's another conversation we got to have sometime. For sure. For sure. But, uh, you know, thank you so much, Lou, and I'll speak to you again soon. Dude, I appreciate it, man. It was fun. Right, take care, brother. Peace.